was up here back in December, and uh, a little kind of uncomfortable coming up again this soon. I'm not sure how much of this natural charm and charisma you can take, but anyway, <laughs> I thought I'd go ahead and go for it today. This is going to be good. I just wish I could sit down and enjoy it like you all are. Only problem is uh, I've been trying to convince myself of that all week, so we'll just have to jump in with both feet and see how it turns out. There's an eight-year-old boy who loved to take risks. And when you're eight, you're invincible. You're like Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, the Hulk, all rolled into one. Nothing's going to hurt you. Just go with the flow and have fun. That's what it's all about. His greatest risk involved climbing. The higher the climb, <clears throat> the bigger the thrill. On more than one occasion, his dad caught him in the act. And each time he did, he sternly warned him of the danger and the serious consequences that could happen if he continued this reckless, carefree behavior. But he continued to climb, each time a little higher than before. After all, nothing can hurt him. Oh, he was careful, very careful. Careful his dad didn't catch him in the act. One day he climbed a lot higher than he'd ever done before, and was reveling in this accomplishment, which he had done without suffering any of the consequences his dad had so often warned him about, when he suddenly slipped and came tumbling down to the ground, hard. Knocked the wind out of him, and only after he was able to catch his breath did he realize he'd broken both arms and sprained both ankles, and the pain was unbearable. So he wakes up in the hospital several hours later, and... Uh, after all the hours worth of surgery it took to correct all the damage he'd done. And he looked over and noticed his dad standing close by, and he awkwardly, as best he could, motioned him over to, to his uh, bedside. And he leaned down, looking at each other, and he says, This is all your fault. How could you let this happen to me? So let's see. He made a choice. Some consequences resulted from that choice. And he blamed somebody else. I found our kids are pretty good about doing that a lot of the time. And over in Genesis 3, we have an account of Adam and Eve disobeying God concerning the uh, eating of the forbidden fruit. Let's look at Adam's response when he was confronted by God by what they did. Adam's response was verse 12. The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Eve's response, next verse. Basically, was the serpent told me to. Let's see here. Choice was made. And if we read down further in this chapter, we find out what the consequences were. In fact, the consequences not only affected them, but all of mankind. And they in turn blamed somebody else. Now, depending on the wording of the translation, it almost sounds like Adam is trying to blame not only Eve, but May lay a little bit of the guilt on God as well. The woman you gave to be with me. Not smart, Adam. 
And Eve's response. Well, uh, Eve, if the devil told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? Not smart, Eve. So, failure to accept responsibilities isn't limited to the young and the immature. I can remember growing up back in the 50s when emphasis was placed on learning responsibility and expecting a person to accept responsibility for choices they made as well as any consequences that might result from those choices. This was the norm and not the exception in our society. People were held accountable for their actions. Now fast forward a few years and we find it drifting away from this mindset a little bit at a time until we arrive at a point in society which, where they often overlook consequences of one's actions. If we do something wrong, shift the blame elsewhere. It's not my fault. The devil made me do it. So I shouldn't have to suffer any of the consequences. First off, he didn't make me do it. I just made, made the wrong choice. I had a choice to make, and I made the wrong one. But the decision was my own. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we read, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. And over in James uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, we learn that uh, and are reminded that God doesn't tempt us. That comes from Satan. And uh, that's his job, and he does it well. He knows where our weaknesses are, and he'll attack them every chance he gets. The devil wants us to believe we have a no-consequence existence. If it feels good, do it. won't hurt a thing. If we don't have any consequences, well, we don't have to worry about accepting responsibility then, do we? While uh, I don't find the word responsibility in any of our commonly recognized translations, we find it implied throughout the scripture. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that we all need to take personal responsibility for everything we do. God made us free moral agents. We're free to make choices however we want. But being able to do so means we're also personally responsible for any consequences that result from these challenges. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16, puts it this way. Fathers shall be put to death for their sons, or fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. And also Ezekiel 18 and 20 pretty much parallels that. These are just two passages of many that lead us to the understanding that we're accountable for our actions. Not somebody else. If we make a major choice, or before we make a major choice, we need to prayerfully consider any consequences that could result from that decision and be prepared to accept the responsibility if things don't turn out the way we planned. Yet it seems in our no-consequence society, 
We expend more energy trying to manufacture excuses why an offense occurred rather than accepting responsibility for the trespass and any consequences that might result. I can almost uh, envision this. Judge or an attorney before the judge, Your Honor, poor Elrod here was set on a cold potty when he was six months old, and he was so traumatized by that event that he was unable to make a sensible choice about anything. So this terrible thing he did, he can't be responsible for that. Anything else he does, he can't be responsible for that either. Well, this mindset goes against what we read in Scripture. We are responsible for our choices. Now, there can be underlying factors that contribute to a person's actions and their resulting poor choices. There might be times we want to look and see how they affect behavior and learn from them. Not to avoid consequences for things that have already happened, but rather to learn from them that may be able to prevent and steer the, that person in the right direction from that point on. We need to adopt a godly attitude towards others, to offenders. We need to be, have a ready to forgive, show mercy, not out for revenge, but all the time remembering that sin does produce consequences. This is the way God treats us, merciful, ready to forgive, and loving. Now, another point I want to bring out is there can be those that feel due to their status or special circumstances that this doesn't apply to them. They feel exempted from assuming any responsibility for their actions. They're above others and entitled to special consideration. Look at the Israelites. They were special after all. They're God's chosen people. The cut above the average Joes out there. Surely they should be cut a little slack, shouldn't they? Ever since they left Egypt, it seems they were always whining or moaning about something or another. Never satisfied. Never following through for any length of time on ca- in carrying out God's expectations. For the better part of 300 years, God had warned Judah that they need to straighten up, but they refused to do so. After all, they're God's people. Nothing bad could happen to them. They had the temple in God's holy city. They were confident in their status quo. Jeremiah chapter 7 God instructs Jeremiah to let them know again, once again, what will happen if they don't change their ways. Verse 4 gives an idea of the mindset they've always had. That they hear these God-sent prophets warn them of their errors. Verse 4 says, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Basically, we have God's temple, and God won't let anything happen to his temple, so we're good. Well, the temple was destroyed, and they were conquered by the Babylonians. So much for their cockiness. 
Sometimes consequences are immediate and don't last very long. Other times it might be a completely different story, take a long time in coming, and have long-term or permanent effects. You can eat a big, greasy chicken fried steak with a mess of fried turnips, bacon drippings poured all over it. One time, and suffer probably, probably suffer, uh, yeah, probably suffer some immediate discomfort and maybe go out and work it off. And, you know, after that, you know, no real big permanent effects after that. Or you could go ahead and you could up and uh, do that several times a week and pretty much develop a tolerance and don't realize that you feel bad after. In fact, it just makes you want more. And sit back in the easy chair and do that day in and day out. And then wonder about, uh, oh, many years down the road, you have some serious health consequences. So that's kind of delayed reaction, but it will happen later on anyway. So, uh, oh, let me tell you, I went out and got me a gym membership about eight months ago. Got a defined fitness card, got my picture on the back and everything else. Haven't used it yet, but I got the card. So the bottom line is consequences will result at some point point, and may not only affect the offender, but innocent parties as well. When we suffer consequences for our own actions, that's one thing. But when the innocent suffer because of what we did is a completely different scenario and a sad one at that. That's a story for another time. So choices are important. Some will be minor, and any consequences insignificant. We're not talking about those. Where others can produce detrimental, life-changing consequences that are difficult or maybe even impossible to reverse. These are the ones we're talking about. With the privilege of being free moral agents comes the responsibility of making God-pleasing choices and a willingness to accept consequences that result from those choices. Our scripture that we read this morning, Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, warrants another look before we draw to a close. Here's my scholarly intellectual commentary I've written for this. If somebody messes up, help set him straight without acting superior and getting all big-headed over it. Because we need to watch out or we can find ourselves in the same situation and need straightening out ourselves. Nobody is immune from the entrapment of sin. When others' burdens get too heavy to handle, help them out. That's what we're here for. That took care of verses 1 and 2. Don't get too big for our bridges. That just shows how little we really are. We need to carry out our own responsibilities and not expect anyone else to do it for us. Let's take care of verses 3 through 5. Whatever we put into something is what we get back. Sinful pursuits, decay, and spiritual death. Oh, I said sinful pursuits. Spiritual pursuits, everlasting life. Don't get tired of doing good. Don't give up and our spiritual reward is assured. 
I'll read that point again. Don't give up and our spiritual reward is assured. No guesswork. Keep that in mind sometimes when we get down and depressed and wondering if we're ever doing what we should. Read that passage and dwell on it. And when we have opportunity to do good to others, do it. Especially to our church family. And here's a practical example how you can put that into work. Next time you're driving down the road and you see me broke down by the side of the road, stop and help me out. And that took care of verses 7 through 10. And some of you say, well, we're about to end up right here. And uh, not once has he mentioned some old country singer or some old country song. I don't believe it. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) Country singer George Jones had a pretty tumultuous lifestyle. Who straightened up toward his later days? Sang a more or less an autobiographical song. I don't know whether he wrote it or whether somebody else wrote it for him with that in mind. But it is a song called Choices. It's about a person who made a lifetime of poor choices. And that falls right in line with our subject this morning. And here's how it starts out. I've had choices since the day that I was born. There were voices that taught me right from wrong. If I'd listened... I wouldn't be here today, living and dying by the choices I made. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the guidance you have given us through Scripture to live a godly life and be the kind of children that are acceptable to you. We ask that you would instill in us the importance of making godly choices in all we do. Help help us remember that godly choices began with continual, focused prayer. And help us not lose sight of the fact that you're always there to help us find the answer and appropriate direction to anything that we might face. In Christ's name, amen. Here's our challenge for the week. Think of a major decision that you need to make in the near future, sometime late on down the line. Start praying about that choice, that you make the appropriate one when the time comes. Pray for wisdom in making the choice that God wants regularly, which may not necessarily be in line with what the choice we would like to happen. Pray that regularly until it's time to make that choice. The Lord's invitation is always available, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. If anybody has any needs this morning that you'd like for us to know about, you may also respond at this time while we stand and sing. Sing.